things are true as far as I can remember them. Um, so uh, as Dan shares today, I'm going to ask him just some, basically some T-ball questions for him to, to share his heart about God revealed uh, for us from. Uh, and, and the first one would be, uh, a lot of people don't know this, uh, but um, you were saved at age 47. So uh, unlike, you know, a lot of the stories you hear from the majority of, of those in, in the world today, you were saved at age 47. So how did God reveal himself to you in that state of life and that age? That was a pretty incredible story. And I'm super, super blessed to have not only my wife here today to witness uh, the truth of what I'm about to say, but John and Donna Bergman. Hi, guys. November 8th. 1998, uh, we were at St. Luke's on the Lake, uh, out on 620, beautiful church, great pastor, Roland Timberlake. Uh, we had just gone through a class, and I was going through the class to support Leonora. I was going through the motions. Anybody just go through motions because it was a thing to do? Well, I was doing it. I didn't know God was going to surprise me at the last minute. But as we went up to get received into the Episcopal Church, I had a road to Damascus moment. It was 100% Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just flooded me. And in a moment, I knew I believed. And that was the end of it. I didn't expect it, didn't see it coming. But at that point, I knew it was true. But I was still like that annoying little kid to constantly ask questions. I knew in here 100% it was true. I could stop right there. My faith was solid. But I still had all those questions from when I was a kid. And over the years, that set me on the course that it did, even so far, to get a degree, master's degree in Christian apologetics. And now I'm working in a, on a doctorate in the same. I resolved that no student will ever experience what I did as a student in that I'd ask questions as a pastor, I'd get no good answers. But folks, I'm here to tell you the answers are out there and God has revealed himself in so many ways and we're gonna hit a few of them today. So anyway, I could see God all around me once I became a born again believer. One of the toughest questions we get and by the way, we were super blessed yesterday to get to preach in the prison from 8 o'clock to 6.30. Amen. Um, first time back. First time back Since. in over a year. Yeah. And we were able to preach. We, the restrictions are extremely uh, onerous. Uh, we had to get COVID tested before we went in. We had to wear a mask the whole time. I can tell you that's a lot of fun speaking all day wearing a mask under penalty of getting thrown out if a guard or anyone caught us, even with it down here, which I pretty much wore the whole time so I could breathe. But anyway, it was a real blessing to get back in there and talk to those ladies. They came in and you could see they were just beat down. Uh, but praise the Lord when they left, they were smiling. They were full of the Lord. Uh, I did have to promise Pastor Scott I wouldn't go on any rabbit trails or nerd alerts. But I did this <laughs> when I promised. And so. Just so you're aware, his, his uh, students at the, the prison, 
because they're in like a, a faith-based program, they actually have uh, little placards, Nerd Alert and Rabbit Trail, that they hold yeah. up during class. It, it, uh, so you, it's not a fake thing. If you come by my office, you can see them. <laughs> and they informed me they could have gotten in trouble making them because they were made out of contraband. <laughs> two pencils, Matthew knows what I'm talking about, two pencils, two sheets of paper, and some markers, and some like tape. sanctified contraband, that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Amen. We'll so go, Dan, you, we'll you talked about that. questions that you had, uh, mm -hmm. and so you're, you're a theologian, you're an apologist, uh, you're getting your doctorate. Uh, what's, what's a tough question that you typically get about God? Well, you're trying to interrupt my rabbit trail. I am. Nicely, uh, though. It was, it was a sweet hook. It was filled okay. with grace. Well, we'll get to that because this rabbit, tail uh, rabbit trail takes about 15 seconds. I was asking the girls to introduce themselves, and Megan uh, said, My name is Megan. I'm 26 years old. This is my second time here. And I go, well, don't ever do that again. <laughs> I thought she meant the second time in prison. She meant <laughs> the second time in church. <laughs> don't do that again. So, anyway, <laughs> rabbit trail over. But one of the toughest questions we got in the prison that I get with uh, non-believing students, non-believers, is how can you believe in something you can't see? Hence the title of what we're talking about today, God Revealed. Now, Pastor Scott, a little bit later, is going to talk about how Jesus has revealed God in the New Testament, but Jesus also, there's evidence for Jesus outside of the Bible, too. So when we have people say, well, I just don't believe the Bible, say, well, we can talk about some other sources that talk about Jesus. Uh, but the first one that's really impacted me, because I'm a science nerd, was Psalm 19.1. And Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Folks, can I be honest with you? For 47 years, I'd look up at the sky and just marvel, and it would just never hit me who created it, who put it there. How tragic is that? But, but that's what it was. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. We find a lot of that in Genesis the creation account. But a lot of people miss the fact that after Satan had his way with Job, and for 37 chapters we had to endure whining and complaining, and oh, poor Job, God finally has had enough. And then we get to one of my favorite chapters on the creation, which is Job 38. And God's had enough, and he finally says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you set forth the Maseroth in their season? Or can you guide the bear with its children? They're talking about the constellations. These constellations were named by the Babylonians and the ancient Greeks. So it's a very easy thing to understand that the writer of Job would have known about them and put them in there. But now it's time for a nerd alert. And this is one of the things that really, really impacted me in the way God has revealed himself in creation. The first thing we talk about is Orion and the fact that 
we have a spacecraft called Voyager that launched in 1977. In 44 years, it has traveled 38,000 miles an hour, and it has traveled 11.3 billion miles, and it is now outside of our solar system. It just hit the edge of the solar system, and it's still traveling. The Orion constellation is 1,200 light years away. At 38,000 miles an hour, would you like to guess how long it would take Voyager to reach the Orion constellation? You can't do that math. <laughs> well, you could, but I already did for you. It would take over 500,000 years to reach Orion. The Orion Nebula is part of that constellation is shown here. And how can you look at that and not see God's glory? Amen. You think, oh, that's a neat picture. Well, folks, can I tell you in real life, that picture is 12 light years across. It would take that spacecraft 5,000 years to fly across that. And that's one of trillions out there. Just go to Hubble.org, you can see all of those. We keep going, Isaiah 45, 12. I absolutely love this verse because God has a hand on it. He has a hand on the man that discovered the truth of this verse. I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded all their host. Stretched out. That type of verse, that stretching out, appears over 10 more times in Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So how did Isaiah, over 2,700 years ago, get a sense the earth was being stretched out? Pretty simple, divine inspiration. He couldn't have known it. Because it wasn't until 1927 that a Belgium priest astronomer, physicist by the name of George Lemaitre came up with a mathematical theory that the universe was expanding. But old George got himself in a little bit of trouble because when he published his theory, it went against one of the most popular theories of relativity at the time, Einstein. Because you see, Einstein thought the universe was static and had done all that math proving that it was static. And George Lemaitre goes, Albert, I, I, I think you might have made a mistake. You can imagine how popular that was. But when the two met, Albert Einstein is recorded on record as saying, it was one of the worst mistakes of my career. And he corrected it to reflect that this Belgian astronomer priest had it right. And of course, two or three years later, Edwin Hubble proved that the universe is indeed expanding. So Dan, what about somebody who might say, uh, you know, God, God hadn't shown himself to me like he did. You tell your story, okay, that's your story. Uh, he hasn't revealed himself to me in that way. Uh, I, you know, science is science or, you know, intelligent design, whatever they might do that would be not according to this and, and really how science backs this up. Um, what do you say to those who, who, 
who say, I, I haven't had that revelation from God. I'm not responsible or, uh, you know, I'm good. Well, I think they're like me prior to the age 47. It was there. I just refused to see it. I think if somebody would have said, take a look, comprehend it, it would have been. But we have some interesting verses that cover that area. First being Romans 1, verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through and 20, that says, for the wrath. Oh, I don't know if I want to talk about wrath. That's not very comforting. Okay, we will anyway. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. So you see, it is plain, but they have to act on it because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So there it is. In the things that have been made, so they were, they are without excuse. Oh, ouch. <laughs> but my favorite chapter, at least this moment, in the entire Bible is Acts chapter 17. Because Paul is a nerd's nerd. He not only preaches to the people he's familiar with, because he, the first two cities he visits in Acts 17 were largely Jewish. He goes into the synagogue, he preaches Jesus, many come to believe. And I love that, that, that expression in Acts 17, many came to believe. Every city, many came to believe. We're called to go out. We're called to be missional. We're called to be evangelical, uh, to evangelize. But the, these uh, two verses are not in order. Acts 17, verse 24, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in a man-made temple. Now, Paul's responding to their question, where does, where does this uh, unknown God live because that's what Paul's doing in Athens. He's telling them who that altar to the unknown God really is or, or the unknown God. But Acts 17 verse 30, we should all take heart and, and inspire us to go out and tell others because it says God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. So saints, that's my counsel today that we should be out there helping people to see the God who has already revealed himself to the entire creation. Amen? Amen. And then Dan's gonna come back up uh, in, in a little bit, and he's going to pray uh, from the leading of the Holy Spirit uh, over us. And, and I just want to, uh, you know, sh just as Dan, as Dan takes off, let's give him a, a round of applause and say thank you. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, in my opinion, about, about Pastor Dan is uh, I've never met a, what I would re refer to as a, a spirit-filled apologist uh, typically, 
uh, if you have uh, someone who's spirit-filled and led by the Spirit, uh, they're gonna they're gonna have a little bit of a you know we're not we're not perfect in this even in this life of faith that we walk and follow a perfect God we we clash with things and we're being transformed and changed and and then we have our our leanings and different things uh, typically this is my being you know a Christian really my in church my entire life and then and then following Jesus x amount of years uh, those are kind of a uh, different ends but it's so cool to have this person who's who's you know all about science, all about uh, theology, all about apologetics, and 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 yet be be led fully by the the, the spirit of the living God. Even going to a charismatic uh, seminary that he went to, um, I just think it's so cool. And so it's so it's so easy as a as a church to be able to just entrust the the passions uh, of the Lord to to Dan, whether it's with our middle schoolers or our high schoolers or uh, the adult classes, the adult classes that he does, or or as he as he leads the ministry at the at the prison there, and 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 you see the favor of the Lord on his life, and and really because of of, of that man and and Leonora as they team up in, in a lot of areas here, uh, you see the favor of the Lord on this church uh, because of it. So I, I appreciate you, Pastor Dan, so much. So as we're looking at him revealed, you know we see. We see him revealed in creation. We see in, in the life of Jesus as he walked on planet Earth, we see the Trinity revealed in Jesus, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. And then, and then there's, there's, there's God revealed in the hearts of each individual human being throughout the course of history, every single one of us. Um, and, and so that's really what we're looking at today in a major way, like how do I take that and live out of that, and let the Lord let the Lord deal with anything that needs to be dealt with in my life. But live out of that to to go and reach people because some people are going to need that science answer. Some people are going to just need that that Holy Spirit touch in, in whatever they're struggling with. Some people are going to just need to understand Jesus who walked on earth, but then how He was the fullness of God. How does one man hold the fullness of God in Him? And so. Like Dan said, we're, we're on mission. We are, we are walking billboards for Jesus. We are everyday missionaries uh, for, for Jesus as we live this life of, of following him. Colossians 1 uh, in chapter 15, and he was talking about a nerd's nerd with, with Paul. Uh, he gets, he gets it's, it's amazing in, in, in Colossians 1 verses 15 through 24, in those 10 verses, Paul can pack in all that he does. I don't even understand other than it had to be as smart as he was this had to be the holy spirit saying i'm going to do this in 10 verses remember that old thing i can say i can i can name that tune in four words or whatever like i can i can tell the history of jesus christ and the trinity in 10 verses and and so he's writing about how christ is supreme how jesus who walked on earth is the supreme being of all time and encapsulated the trinity and he says jesus and I'm quoting, and I'm paraphrasing this, but Jesus is the divine portrait, the visible representation of this invisible God. You can't see him, the Trinity God, and Jesus showed him to you. God, Paul says, is satisfied to have all his fullness, God the Trinity, dwelling in Jesus. That Jesus' work on the cross, Paul says, it brought everything back to its original intent. Now, I sit there as a contrarian at times and go, 
You're telling me that Jesus' work on the cross brought everything back to its original intent. It made everything right again. It justified us. But then I look at the world around me, and I'm like, yeah, but. And then God so clearly speaks to me. He says, yes, Scott, when I talk about original intent, I'm talking about my relationship with my, with my favored created ones, men and women, sons and daughters. That's the original intent. Earth, this, earth and all its beauty it's just something that displays the glory of God, but he made it all for us. Like we were his favorite, we are his favorite. So when Jesus did his work on the cross, the number one thing he was doing, really the only thing he was really doing was about us. Because this earth will end. And he's creating a new heavens and a new earth. I don't understand what that's all about, uh, except I can dream and then my dreams are going to be paltry in comparison. But when he says that, that Jesus' work on the cross brought everything back to its, to its original intent. He's talking about you and I. Us being in perfect relationship with God. We talked about it on Easter Sunday, what, what it means to be justified, made just as if you've never sinned. That's what the work on the cross did. And then Paul says, and now there's nothing between you and the Father God. He sees you as a follower. Everyone who follows and believes in Jesus, this is how God sees you. He sees you like he sees Jesus. Holy, perfect, flawless, just as if you'd never sinned. You, me. We look in the mirror and we're like, flawless? Flawless? But I did that and I did that and I said that and I acted that way and I'm thinking about this. And God says, flawless. That's the work of Jesus on the cross. According to God himself speaking through Paul to us, you are flawless, perfect, holy, blameless, righteous because of the work on the cross. And then Paul goes on to say, this is the glorious news that I get to preach all over the world. This good news. He, he says, those that you were once far from God, you're not far from God anymore. And because you're not far from God anymore and he's found you and you've said yes to him, now you get to be the, just like me and you get to take this to the world around you. Paul lived to tell about the impossible greatness of God. All the traits of God, as much as we can understand them, Paul's saying, we get to tell the world about them. We'll never fully understand them. We'll, we'll, even the ones that, that you know, we read about in the Bible, that it's written to us, we're discovering them more and more, kind of like you know, Dan was talking about the universe and its expanse. We discover more and more of that. The more that we dive into this, the more that we do real life with one another in community, the more that we gather together, like Acts 2 tells us to gather together and, and, and study this word and, and, and do real life together and pray together and, and eat meals and fellowship together, the more that we do that, the more we'll discover. And the more that we'll discover, there's more to discover. That's just the reality of God. He's just that great. His traits are, are amazing. and You'll never get bored of him. Pastor Dan told us how God revealed himself to him specifically and personally. And there is no doubt that every one of us that follows him, we've had some kind of revelation. At the same time, he wants to continue to reveal himself to you. And, and there's lost people out there that, that need him. And they may ask the same question like, okay, just, but, but I can't see him. I have to see him to believe him. I mean, even Philip, who, 
you know, was one of Jesus' disciples in, in John 14, asked Jesus that question. A lot of you have read that before, and Philip's sitting there with him, and Philip says, Lord, talking to Jesus, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, you see me, you see him. You see me? This is, this is the Trinity God right here. Philip, everything, he goes on to say, the words I speak, Philip, they're not my words. My Father who lives in me does the work through me. Jesus was saying, I reveal the perfect Trinity God. It made me, uh, it made me you know, talking to Dan about, about Hubble and different things, and I, I'm not a space nerd. I have, I'm, my father-in-law's a space nerd. It always, it's impressive to me, but I'm like, I can't, I don't, I don't get it all that much. It's just too much for my brain, but, but I was thinking about telescopes this week, and I'm like, you have this, this galaxy out, these galaxies out there that we can't find with our bare eyes, and then telescopes take something that's absolutely impossible to see, and it puts it in one view. That's Jesus, the Godhead. The Trinity God is too big. He's invisible. He's, he's, in, he's massive. He's beyond our brain capacity. So Jesus on earth was the, was, the, was the picture, the telescope view of the Trinity God. And now you are, and you are, and you are. I am. We're the telescopes now. So a question that came to me, you know, as I was looking at this and, and thinking this through, the Holy Spirit asked me, he said, Scott, when somebody says, hey, Scott, I, I don't see God, show me God, can you, with humble confidence, say, if you see me, you see Jesus? Can you say, with humble confidence, when you talk, they hear Jesus? How about when you go online and you put something out there? Oh, I got a good one. I got a good one for the Facebook world. Do they read Jesus? I mean, come on now. We're not here just to be like, let's pat ourselves on the back because we're awesome. And, uh, and we'll, pray for, uh, we'll pray for Fauci. You know, we're not here just for that, right? When he was talking about scientists, I'm like, oh. Scientists can't be saved. No, just kidding. Uh, not really. Was that Jesus? I don't know. That was just me. Okay. But when, when we talk, when they see us act, when they see us parent, when they see us husband, or when they see us be a, 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 when they see you be a wife, when they, when, they, when they see us as a worker, when they see us as a boss or an employee, when they watch us at the local football game or at the youth soccer, because that can get worse. When they read us on social media, do they instantly think, that sounds like Jesus, that looks like Jesus, that acts like Jesus? And if not, it's never too late. Repent and change. Ask him to help you. Do you think God wants to help you show him off? Yeah, everybody should say yes really loudly. Um, right. He, he wants people to see him in and through you. He saved you, and he loves you, and he knows you can do it. He knows I can do it. On my own, it's impossible. Will I still fail? Probably today. You know, but, but you can look like, sound like, and act like Jesus to the point where somebody says, show, but I don't see him, show me. And you say, look, just as confidently as Jesus did it. So a huge question to ask. When people see me, do they see Jesus? It's a huge question we need to ask ourselves. 
If some Philip out there were to ask, show me Jesus and I'll be fully satisfied and I'll follow him. Can you say, as imperfect as I am, when you see me, you see him. When I speak, I say what he would say. When I act, this is what he would do. And are we going to, because we're on mission, that is our life. Once you are saved, you're a believer. If you're going to be a following believer, a disciple of Jesus, you have to be on mission. You have to. You cannot mail it in. You cannot say that's for someone else. And you cannot say, I'll get to that later. Because then you're a believer who does nothing but sit stagnant. We are called to be everyday missionaries. And so if that's true, and I'm called to be a missionary for Jesus, I go to and I act like. I mean, we read in Scripture that, that Jesus was deeply moved with compassion towards those blind men. And he didn't say, good luck. Or, hey, in eternity you won't be blind. He went to them and he actively prayed for a miracle in their life. And they, were, they, they, had, they got their sight. We see that, that Jesus went to the untouchables like the lepers. And he, he was right in front of them. It was a fearful thing. And they weren't even allowed to be around regular people. And Jesus went to them and he loved them with compassion and grace. He went to the demoniac. He went to the religious. He went to the poor in spirit. He was, he was near the widow when she went and gave her, her offering. And then he championed her cause. And he talked about her and he said, that woman right there, that's faith. That's faith. But he was close enough to that, that person who was broken and less than in society to where he could be involved in her life. He stood in the gap for the adulterous and the immoral. He stood in the gap for those who were living wrong in the moment. They hadn't gotten it right and he was trying to help them just have a better uh, person, uh, a better you know, reputation. He met them in their sin and he stood in the gap for them. And then he didn't just go, well, it's okay. Choice is choice. He didn't say that. He said, now don't do that anymore. But I'm for you. But he put himself there. He called, the atten he called attention to the, the faith of little kids. And he said, this, this is real faith. Let them come to me. They weren't less than people. They weren't for somebody else to take care of. He, he put himself around them. And he said, this is faith. These ones, these ones trust me, so be like them. And not only be like them, but be with them. That's why I love Pastor Dan's, you know, how he pours into middle school and high school. He doesn't look at kids and go, you know, when they get older and they have college brains, then I'll, I'll pour into them. No, he, we, he's, he's teaching them to be, you know, active and, and in love with their faith in Jesus early on. So they can change the culture around them where they are. Jesus trained and equipped and he taught and he walked with and then he sent out those that he, those that he you know, discipled, those that, that he taught, those that, that were his you know, mentees. He was in their life and he prepared them to go do the very thing that he had done. Jesus never said one thing wrong when he was treated the most horrific way in the history of the world. Never said one thing wrong. So are we 
fulfilling those things in our lives? Are we looking, sounding, acting like that? That's the kind of God we have that we can see, that we can show others so they can see this God. We are the ones to now reveal God to people. Yes, we have this. But this isn't always going to open those doors in people's lives. This is what we find our lives based in. This is what we study and we learn and we realize it's alive. It's not some old document. But we are the embodiment of Christ by way of the Holy Spirit living in us at salvation. So now we reveal God to others. Or we don't. We just choose not to. We don't care enough. Or it's for someone else to do. Or maybe it just doesn't matter enough. Or maybe it's, I'm just not equipped. Hey, if you feel ill-equipped, get equipped. I mean, none of us have some magical, like, I came to know Jesus, and he was so, so lucky to get me, you know. <laughs> you know, lucky Jesus, I get to start. No, we're, we all need to be equipped. And some come in with maybe some, some, some stronger talents in some areas, but... But we need to pursue being equipped if we feel ill-equipped because no one can sit on the sidelines and follow Jesus. People's eternities are on the line. You reveal Jesus to people or you show them nothing. Same with me. I either show them Jesus or I show them Scott. That's it. And Scott doesn't get them eternity. Jesus does. And so you and I have to do that. That's why, again, I love the classes that Dan teaches as he, as he teaches people, hey, here's science, here's historical, you know, the gospel and history, here's, here's the, the history of the world, uh, here's the Holy Spirit, and he mixes it all together in this giant spiritual mixing bowl, and it outputs a, a glorified, sanctified, still on the potter's wheel, yet ready-to-go missionary. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a kid in school, or you're retired, or you're in the marketplace. You can learn. But you got to put yourself there. You're not magically going to understand everything that Dan teaches by sitting at home and going, just download it, Jesus, I don't want to go. It's just we got to put ourselves there. So if you feel unqualified, get qualified. Our goal in Jesus being revealed is that if you know God and he saved you, you are on the starting team to share Jesus with the lost and broken world. I'm going to wrap up with this, this passage here in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 7. Paul is, is writing and he's, he's telling us about, about what it means to be the revelation of God to the world around us. And he, he says, as time marches on, we are the visible revelation of the infinite riches of God's grace and kindness, which was showered on us in Jesus Christ. You see, he, he reveals himself and his glory and his grace to a lost and broken world by the way he loves us. And so we can't put a cap on it. We can't put a lid on it. We have to tell, this is what he did in my life. I didn't deserve anything, and he gave me everything. He actually showered it upon me through the life of Jesus. As he stood in my place, and as he took the punishment I deserved on the cross, he... he poured himself out as an offering to forgive me, and now I live on purpose for him. 
Maybe you desire to get qualified, but you're like, I still, I would love to have like, like Dan said at 47, the Lord revealed something to his spirit. I, I want something like that. I, I long to be qualified, but I also want God to say something to me or, or show me something. Hey, man, put yourself in a place of, of receiving. Maybe you need to come up here during the, the last song of worship here in a little bit and just say, God, reveal me, reveal to me, show me something. Maybe you need to come up here for prayer at the end of the service with the prayer team. Maybe you need to come on Mondays at 8.30 or at noon and just, and just pray with the, the group of people that meet and say, I want God to reveal himself to me, to show me something, to do something new in my life. Maybe you need to come to Cultivate tonight. Where's Alan Williams? Right there. So Alan Williams, he's the... A great dear friend of HCF and, and of this community, owner of Chick-fil-A. It's where my offerings go Monday through Saturday. Um, joking. Uh, but he's going to be sharing tonight at Cultivate. He's going to share his story. A lot of y'all have heard his story. He has like a thousand stories, right? So he's asked the Lord to show him which story to share. And then he's going to minister out of that. Maybe you need to come tonight and put yourself in receipt mode to have the Holy Spirit Reveal something to you that, that the Heavenly Father, that the Son, that the Spirit wants to do in your life. And just be there at 530 and just say, I want to hear a great story of God. And then, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me. Maybe you need that tonight. I'm going to ask Pastor Dan uh, to come up right now. And, and the Lord's put something on, on Dan's heart to, to, to pray over us. But my encouragement to you is... If you're like, I just feel like I'm missing something and I need more, ask the Holy Spirit to gift you what he has for you. Ask the Father to encourage your heart as a dad. Ask Jesus to let you know what's on his heart as your best friend. I'm going to turn over to Pastor Dan to pray for us, and then we're going to worship with one more song. And these altars are open during the song, and then there will be a prayer team up at the end to be able to pray for you as I release you. So, Pastor Dan, it's all yours to pray over us and bless us today. Right. Before I pray, I want to remind everybody that I have a weekly distribution list. And on that list, I've shared six or three videos that three of my 16-year-old students have done. One of them talks about the importance of apologetics. Another one talks about how to refute abortion. And the most recent one, she talks about why God allows evil. Saints, if a 16-year-old can get it, so can you. So let me pray. Father, we stand before you this morning and we thank you that we're blessed to be a blessing. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. And we thank you that you've also equipped us, everyone here today, whether they know it or not, is a defender of the faith. Because you can't evangelize, you can't lead people to Christ without helping them overcome the objections to the faith. So, Father, we ask you to give us a heart to dig in, to go deeper, to have more of an impact. Every single one of us here can do that, including myself. There's somebody out there that's, that God has for you to reach, whether it's one person or a hundred. 
Father, we just pray that you continue to equip us. We thank you that we're in a church where there's unique skills, there's unique anointings all through this church. So within this church, if we don't have the answer, the answer is to be found. It's easy to be found. So, Father, we thank you that you brought all these people together that can answer questions and, most importantly, remove roadblocks to the Christian faith. We thank you and let everything we do be for your honor and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Let's all stand together.